scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Logan Gordon. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Friday, October 20th, and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Coffee Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Yeah, Steinberg and Logo along with you on this Friday. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, and of course... We're available live on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, and wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Kick off this hour logo, looking back at what I thought was a really impressive Thursday performance from the Flames. It's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op this hockey season. Support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer today. So 4-3, the final score on Thursday night. Flames improved to... 1-1-1 one, one, and one on this road trip and 2-1-1 one, and one overall. And I just, I like the way they stuck with it against Buffalo because I thought they were the better team for virtually the entire game. And they made sure they closed out a win as opposed to letting it get away from them or allowing a bad goal or a frustrating quick tide goal. Like the, the for instance, when Blake Coleman made it 3-2 early in the third period, it was 82 seconds later that Paterka had scored to tie it, and we're back to even. You're like, Jesus, the third time that's happened, you know, you wonder if the group gets frustrated. The answer is no, because 91 seconds after that, Ruzichka scores, and then they buckled down. Um, it's another game with steady improvement. They've steadily gotten better, I think, in all of their games. But I, I like the fact they got rewarded for a solid night, and they can come away saying we played well and and didn't make the costly mistakes that cost them a point or two. So uh, that was a, a real positive step forward night for the Flames against Buffalo. I think the best effort of the season so far for me. Um, I like what you said about resiliency because I think the team last year might have folded in a couple of those scenarios. Not even just the quick one that you referenced after the Coleman goal, but even the second one, right, where you think, okay, we're finally going to get a lead here. You go a couple minutes and Buffalo, to their credit, pushed back at almost every opportunity before you mentioned you know, the Rizicka game winning goal, the Flames just didn't allow them to to have that same sort of pushback. They really understood the situation, which I think is important to to understand. Hey, look, we're in the third period here. Enough of this giving up a, a tying goal here. It's time for us to to batten down the hatches a bit here and make life harder on Buffalo. I think they did that. I thought it was noticeable after the Rizicka goal that there was a better defensive emphasis from the team when it came to shutting down Buffalo. And I, I just I think mentally it shows the team's in a good place, Pat, because I, I really do harken back to last season, and I don't want to continue to bring it up, but you have to use it as a comparable sometime, and I just don't know that this team had the mental fortitude last season for whatever reason you want to blame it on to sustain the, that kind of game where every time you did something positive, the other team responded pretty quickly, and um, for them to come out and you know be the team that took the lead every single time and forced Buffalo to... Uh, eventually trail until the game ended. I think that was important for the Flames. Yeah, building block. I thought that was, I'm with you. And that was their best game of the season so far. Um, and and a game that they, they, the other 
the Washington game, most of the Pittsburgh game. I thought there were building blocks there, but I think as a full effort, you can come away from that game against Buffalo and say, yeah, that, that's a that's a building block game. That's a blueprint game. Now you got to go and do it all over again against Columbus one night later. But a few things that I think are important to dive into. Um, the fourth line just continues to roll. I, I don't know. I don't know how many times we can discuss how well they've played without it getting old, but it's not old yet. They were outstanding again. Uh, they score a big goal. Both Greer and Sharon Govich get their first points with their new team. First goal of the season for Walker Dewar. They uh, and and here's like they since they were put together for the first game of this road trip, that line is up over seventy percent on their five on five possession. They've been on the ice for thirty six. Shot attempts four and fifteen against. Scoring chances are fifteen eight in favor of Calgary when they're on the ice. Ten four from the slot or high danger. Like we talked about how important it was for the Flames to have a different identity on their fourth line and actually be able to effectively roll four lines. Logo, that's exactly what we're seeing right now. They are rolling four lines effectively. Yeah, even to to take it one step further, some of those numbers you brought up last night specifically in Buffalo. In just the 725 uh, of just pure five on five that that line was on the ice pad, uh, per our friends at Natural Statric, high danger score uh, chances for were 6 3 for that line. Yep. That's impressive for any fourth line to generate that kind of chances on, on any given night. And it's not the the old mentality of throwing your fourth line up there and trying to survive a, a shift or two out there. That line is actually thriving when they're out there and putting the other team's lines underwater that's a a massive step forward from what we've seen in different iterations of this team's fourth line over the last couple of seasons I've got nothing but good things to say about the consistency that they've brought I think their defensive zone has been very sharp I think Yegor Sharon Govich has led the charge from the center ice position as far as how that team uh, how that line excuse me operates defensively I think he's shown a very good hockey IQ defensively and for them to be generating offense like that uh, as a fourth line is a huge bonus for this team. They're there. And, and right now, if you're the coach, you can put them out there and think that like that you can be pretty confident. They're going to go out there and have a good shift and you can be pretty confident. They're going to go out there and win their shift. And that is not something that we could say from all the different iterations of the fourth line from last season. And you know, the one thing that some would come back to when talking about who was on the fourth line to talk about, Lucic and the size and and the physicality. Well, I think Greer has played with a solid amount of physicality. I think that Dewar can play with physicality. I don't think that's Sharon Govich's game, but I think he definitely is a big body and and that helps in the way he plays. I just there's an identity with that line. They they forecheck hard. They can be physical. They get pucks on net. They get pucks towards the net. They spend a lot of time on the attack. And you know what? That's not. That's not the world's best finishing line of all time, but if they can set up the lines in front of them for good shifts after them, then they're doing their job, and they've done that job pretty much every game that they've played together since being put together a few games ago. Yeah, and uh, I can't, uh, you know, it's a Walker Dewar, A.J. Greer, I've just been really, really solid, consistent member since being put together here in Calgary, and... Sharon Govich with his speed and the way that all three of them sort of operate in the same in the same direction, I, I think is one way to put it. But they're also they just they're a very connected group of three. 
is probably the best way that I can put it, is they feel like they understand what the other one's trying to do. They're not out of place. They're not getting caught up ice on a change or anything like that. They've just been playing really smart, sound, effective hockey when they're out there. Uh, head coach Ryan Huska, that was his entire media availability on Friday morning ahead of Calgary's game in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. He spoke glowingly about that fourth line. Here's the head coach when he spoke about that trio of Dewar, Greer, and Sharon Govich Friday uh, in Columbus. They have an identity to them, um, to that line right now. And I think all all three of them, they're bigger bodies. They all skate well. And I think they have they have a really good idea of how they have to play to have success. And um, since we put that line together, you, you can make an argument for that being our most effective line for sure. Yeah, and, and I guess part of that now is playing five on five and maybe had a few more chances to get out there last night. But, um, you know, that speed element, when you talk about how much that, if they're using it properly, how much that can create you know, problems for the opposition. Yeah, and the speed, and then you couple that with the size of them. So they sure. have long reach. Um, um, Greer is, uh, he's a gritty, he's a hard-nosed guy that uh, I think when you look where he comes from, um, he's played on some winning organizations. So he has an idea how to compete in those smaller, harder areas. Walker is, um, his speed is, I don't know if it's underrated anymore. People know how he can skate. Um, but he does a really good job when he keeps his game simple and he just focuses on pushing defense back. And then I think uh, Sharon, because of the way the other two guys are, very straight line, very direct, um, he's finding a lot of loose pucks now and he's putting himself in positions where he can score. And he's had some chances the last few games. He's got to hit the net um, mm-hmm. and work to capitalize on some of them. So AJ comes in late, but did you have an inkling that a trio like this could work just based on the past that you've seen from Walker and Sharon's uh, you know, the scouting reports? Yeah, not, not really. I mean, Sharon, we... We kind of identified him more as a winger, yeah. um, but I know he's played a little bit of center in the past. So we we tried him there, and we're keep working with him on his faceoffs and and stuff like that. But um, I do feel as we get going, those guys will be interchangeable at times. Um, when you need someone at a key moment of a game to make sure a puck's out, I feel like those are some of the guys that are showing they can do that. So um, they've been really good for us. Overall, what have you made of Sharon Govich's progression? Much like the teams, I assume, but yeah. it feels like from what we see that. He's getting more comfortable every game. Every game. Um, you know, I, I look at a lot of times, are you getting shots? Are you getting chances? If you are, you're around the puck and you're doing something right. Um, and as you work through exhibition, he's steadily gotten more and more involved in the play by being around the puck and using his speed, his size. And when you do that, his offensive ability will, will come through like it has lately. Um, but they just got to stay with with what they've done the last few games and, and continue to do that for us. We, we need a line that's going to set some pace and some energy for us tonight so we'll look to those guys to do that so on that note because of the past that Sharon Govich has as a goal scorer is there a temptation to give him more or do you just like that unit so much right now that you kind of you want to roll with it no there's a temptation for sure but um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to switch that unit up right now so we'll try to put Sharon in a few more spots along the way whether that be a little bit more power play time um, to try to help him get over that that next hurdle if you will so that's something that we'll look to do. There's head coach Ryan Huska talking all about that line. Sharon Govich, or Sharon, um, along with a Sharon, Sharon, AJ Greer, and Walker Dewar. No reason you're taking those three apart. It's funny because on Thursday's show, we got that question on the on the, the mailbag about um, who do you take out if, if Pelche is healthy? And I said Sharon Govich. And just because I've, I, I don't know... Not taking Rizicka out right now, eh, that'd be that'd be a difficult one to to make a decision on. Now we're 
a little ways away from having to make a call on Pelche. We have no idea how healthy they're going to be, but I was I, that was Sharon Govich's best game as a member of the Flames. And as you heard Coach Huska say right there, he's starting to get more and more comfortable himself. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that line on the roundtable later on this hour. I thought that was the best game of the year for Michael Backlund and, and Blake Coleman. Thought that, that line was kind of back to their five on five dominant self. I thought Dennis Gilbert looked really good. Um, only played 11 minutes and 50 seconds, but made a well, made the most out of his uh, 11 minutes and 50 seconds, and obviously that step up to uh, create the turnover that eventually led to Blake Coleman's goal. Um, what uh, what do you think of Dan Vladar in his first start of the season? Up and down. But to be honest, I was kind of expecting that, just given the fact that it had been a couple weeks since he got his last start in the preseason, and I think for a backup goaltender, for any goaltender, it's going to take you a minute to get back to... He hasn't had any regular season playing time uh, since the season started. They've had a bit of a weird schedule. Uh, to be honest, it was it was right in line with what I expected. I thought he got better as the game went on. Uh, a couple that I guess you'd probably like back from a, a goaltending perspective, but I didn't have any major problem with it. At the end of the day, he gave them a, a chance to win, and that's what I expect when Dan Vladar's in the net. Well... They, I thought he was shaky in the first 20 and then really started to settle in. Thought he was much better in the second. Uh, then in the third period, I thought even though he allows that one goal from Paterka, uh, I thought that he really played well in that third period. That was his best period, I think. That's when Buffalo was at their most dangerous. Finally, the Sabres figured some things out in the third period and gave the Flames a few more fits. I thought Calgary did a good job handling it, but Buffalo started to play their game a little bit more. They were all over the place. And, you know, we were talking for a couple of days about the Sabres. Is this a team ready to take the next step? Well, through the first 40 minutes, no, that's not a team that's ready to take the next step. Now, I know that they're capable of much better than that, but uh, I thought that Vladar really came to play in the third period and, and made a number of big stops at 4-3 four four to make sure the Flames didn't allow the next game tying goal. I actually wonder, you know, they're almost certainly going to go to Markstrom Friday night in Columbus. But somebody brought up, why not go back to Vladar Sunday against Detroit just because um, it gives you a little bit more rest for Markstrom and not that quick turnaround. I'm not suggesting that's what they're going to do or even what I would do, but it did. I was like, you know what? That's not the, that's not the silliest idea I've ever heard. That's pretty, um, there's, there's some sense in that. So I think, I think Vladar definitely kept the narrative the same. How's that? That he's the, the number two, and I think he did a good job of, when it's time to make your next uh, decision on when Jacob sits, you just make it. You don't have to hesitate on it. You go right back to Dan. Yeah, I think it was it was exactly what you wanted to. And like I said, are you going to be a walk away from it thinking perfect for Dan Vladar? It's a save percentage under nine hundred to to start the season. No, but he gave you a chance. Again, the backup's one of those spots, Pat, and I'm sure Croner's talked about this before on the program or talking, you know, as a backup goaltender, you've kind of got to deal with the short end of the stick sometimes. And he wanted to go Monday against Washington, but just wasn't feeling well at the time. And maybe would have looked a little bit sharper there, but you add in, you know, three more days of not playing. I think it's going to take some time to adjust. And I think Mm -hmm. we saw a bit of that last night, but the good news is, like you mentioned, I thought it got better and he looked more and more comfortable as it went on. Let's uh, read some text, 960-960. Let's. Uh, this says, guys, what reasons are there for optimism considering last year this team started hot and then fell off the face of the earth? Being honest here, I'm still an incredibly pessimistic fan of this team. 
and fair enough. That's nobody's going to tell you not to be pessimistic because that's fully your right. And I am very aware that through six games last year, the Flames were five and one, and that was the best six game start the Flames have ever had. So I am very aware that they had a great start to last year and then lost seven in a row and never were able to get things back on the rails. I'm less talking about the results and more just talking about the way they're playing. I'm seeing some encouraging signs. I'm seeing encouraging signs from important players. I'm seeing encouraging signs from their team play. I'm seeing encouraging signs from uh, just their overall identity and resilience. And, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that they've been an elite team and watch out, you know, they're going to, track down Vegas and that they, you know, they're, but I think that based on how the final, what, 60 or so games, 50 or so games went last year, that to see what they've done through the first 12 periods of this year, I think is, is fairly positive. For me, the optimism comes just strictly from what we've seen. I can't, you know, I, I did, did last year happen and was last year disappointing. Sure. But, to start the season, they've gotten points in every game except for one. They've gotten better, I think, as the four games have gone on. I'm not going to base anything this year or hold anything back from this year's group because of what happened last year. I'm going to base it off of what I've seen so far, and I've liked what I've seen similar to you, Pat, in the four games that we've we've watched. Uh, is it concerning how many penalties they're taking? Um, Not really. I mean, okay, so what I mean by that is the raw numbers – no, although they took five against Buffalo. For the most part, they've done a decent job of staying out of the penalty box. The only thing that has been a little concerning is the fact that when they've done it, they've gotten into like penalty trouble in a short period of time, and that can really throw off rhythm for a good chunk of time. You know, when you get your five-on-five five lines and your five-on-five five strategy out of whack for a nine- or ten-minute period because you take three penalties in that stretch, that can, that can have effects that, that go a little bit longer uh, and and can even you know last throughout an entire game. So they took five on on Thursday, which is too much. But for the most part, they haven't taken a lot. It's just more the timing of them and the amount taken in in short order that I've been um, that, that I've noticed. We saw that against the Sabers. They took three in the first period, and Buffalo f- scored one of their goals on the power play when Tage Thompson beat Dan Vladar. So that would be the only thing I'd say about the penalties. I also think the standard changes for NHL officials early on in the season. I think they try to put an emphasis for sure. on uh, certain it calls goes that way every year. Yeah. And I look the NHL would vehemently uh, argue with me that that's not the case. I would solemnly declare that I think they're liars. Um, same as the, the postseason standard never changes. I, I think that there's an early season standard that refs try to set as well. That eventually I'm not, that's not to use it as an excuse for the Calgary flames. They have taken too many penalties at times for my liking. But I also think early on the refs try to set a, a precedent on certain calls, and we usually see that ease on as we get into the season further down. This says uh, sounds like it's Star Wars night at the Blue Jackets game. It's a shame Darth Va- Darth Vladar couldn't start. It is Star Wars night. It is Star Wars night at Nationwide Arena. Um, can you imagine if they started Vladar and then post game Ryan Huska said, "Well, I mean, it's Star Wars night. We had to, <laughs> we had to start him. Like I don't. Really- we had no choice. It was." It would be stupid not to. We listen to the Cosmos. Uh, This says you're welcome for you're welcome for Sharon Govich. Told you. This says Vladar looked a little shaky, and that was obviously a Devils fan. Is that Mike Bell? Uh, Vladar Ah. looked a little shaky, but it was his first game and got better as the game went on. Three more games will show his mindset. 
Uh, and this says, um, Thursday reminded me of last year, more run support for Dan compared to Jacob, but otherwise, from what I'm seeing, I've got high hopes. Cheers. Uh, this reads, am I the only one that thinks the fl- play of the Flames is sloppy, not positive? That comes from Garrett in Sundry. There were definitely some sloppy moments, sloppy stretches, um, sloppy stakes against the the... the- Columbus of uh, the Buffalo Sabres. There was there were definitely some stretches. Yeah, the second where, wasn't exactly a Picasso. Yeah, it was. But I, I think that, that was, happens against conference teams that you only I see also, so much. When the the Sabres were just they were pretty sloppy for forty minutes. Yeah, they, were, they didn't make it easy on themselves. Sometimes slop begets slop, and I wonder how much that played into it too, because. Like Buffalo could not make a pass. Guys who are typically much smarter with the puck were making awful reads. I mean, Rasmus Dahlin must have coughed the puck up at the blue line seven or eight times. Devin Levi, who's now hurt, was shaky from start to finish. And, you know, number of those goals just came from him being completely unaware and probably being a 21-year-old goalie in the NHL. So there is definitely some slop, but... I still think there are encouraging signs in the early stages for the Calgary Flames. Uh, He's Logo. I'm Pat. That's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. As Calgary gets set to uh, play Columbus and make their first and only visit to Nationwide Arena on Friday night, I have a question. How, um, How long... Is it going to take for this market and this group of fans to get over the Johnny Gaudreau thing? And I think it's different for every person. I think some are already over it, whereas I think some may never get over it. But I just wonder, and part of this will be on us, so I ask the question um, openly even to myself and to you. When does this stop becoming a story? When do you and I stop bringing it up when the Flames and Blue Jackets play? When do fans stop talking about it when the Flames and Blue Jackets play? I just I don't I don't think it's Friday night. I don't think it's this year, but I, I do wonder when that narrative really starts to quiet down. Huh. I don't know that it'll ever get to just being a footnote just because of the way it ha- it went. And look, I think Johnny Gaudreau had the potential to go down as a an all-time great flame, the pace that he was on. And I think that's very hard for a lot of people, and I understand why, to forget or forgive whichever side of it you're on. I think for me, the temperature around it and the intrigue of of its Johnny Gaudreau has kind of already gone down. And for me, Pat, I don't know if it's the Columbus factor or the fact that they haven't been very good for me, it feels like the Matthew Kachuk one's going to be a much bigger story based on a you know the trade and the fact that there's comparable pieces on both sides to look at. The fact that Matthew had a great run of success in his first year with Florida, all of that I think keeps the temperature and the intrigue level up higher than that. I don't know. Even tonight, it hasn't been that much of a story for me, mainly because. A lot of it, I think, is is a Columbus thing for me that they're just kind of because they're very not good. They're there, right? And I mean, look, if maybe that changes if Johnny has a four point night or something like that, but it's just kind of, I don't know. You, can you hate the Columbus Blue Jackets? They've never what have they ever done to you, right? I I don't know if you feel similar to that or not. I mean, I don't even know. I don't think it's a Johnny thing. I just think it's a it's Columbus. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really know that I'm. 
I'm going to get that okay, so then up in a, arms about here's it. Here's a follow-up question. When is Columbus ever good? Because they, they've got they've got pieces. Zach Wierenski's going to return in this game. We know that they drafted Fantilli, and people are raving about him. Gaudreau, Line, Jenner, uh, Sillinger. They, they've got some pieces. Talk to you when you get a goalie. I mean, Merzlikens has put up good numbers in his career. I just don't know if he's got the... Um, endurance to do it over a starter's workload it also doesn't help that their best defenseman has had an absolute terrible run of luck injury wise like i think their decor takes a massive hit every time zach rowenski goes down and ironically he's been activated for tonight's game and will play against the flames but their best defenseman who they've invested so much money in yeah just hasn't been able to stay healthy and i think they take a major hit every time he's out of the lineup Few texts on that question. I asked, "When when does the story stop being a story?" Uh, this says never, Pat. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this from Brad, also very succinct. Never, ever, never. Uh, Jamie says it changes once something more significant discuss. Uh, it changes once there's something more significant to discuss with either party. Uh, this says it'll be the same as the waning fanfare whenever Aginla would come back to town. Never fully went away, but it became less of a deal over time. And Kenny writes, to quote a Colin Ray song, Jesus would forgive, I will not forget. Fair. Curious to see what the reaction, how how heated the reaction is in year two when Johnny and the Blue Jackets come to town as opposed to it was very heated when they came to town last year. So curious to see how that plays out as well. Okay, uh, it is Steinberg and Logan along with you. This is Hour 1 of Flames Talk. We are underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, a couple more. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. And this from Mike and Lakeview. Johnny who? Well, maybe it already has for Mike and Lakeview. Exactly. Uh, okay, whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, 403 Local is the place to be. Every time the local hockey heroes hit the ice, you can get $2 beers, uh, two beers rather, and a pizza for just 20 bucks. Two beers and a pizza for just 20 bucks. On Sundays, you can watch the football game with 50 cent wings and happy hour all day with wings also on Wednesdays. How about on Monday, dry ribs, just five bucks a pound. They also have daily happy hour from three till six. Lunch specials weekdays from 1130 till 230 plus 403 local Available for private functions. Visit 403 Local in Canyon Meadows and at 403local.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time now for a Friday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Get the chance to drive a brand new GLC 300 with zero down for $1,099 a month. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. Pat Steinberg, Logan Gordon, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable on this Friday. Uh, gents, and, and earlier this hour, spent a good chunk of time talking about the line that I think that we can call the fourth line. They're playing the fourth amount of five-on-five five minutes, but damn, they're playing well. Yegor Sharangovich between A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. And guys, I know that Sharangovich carries a $3.1 million cap hit, and I know that he was the piece that came back in the Tyler Toffoli trade but and 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 knowing those things what do we think of him playing as this team's number four center right now I think it's okay short term Pat give him a chance to 
settle into a new city and onto a new team and uh, kind of figure out who he is and what his role is going to be with the Flames. Long term, I don't see him as a fourth line player. I think the Flames at some point in time will promote him into the top nine and maybe even put him back on the power play. But as good as he's been without the puck and as reliable as he has been defensively, offensively, I think it's been a work in progress for Yegor Sharangovich. But I am seeing a player who appears to be playing with a little bit more confidence offensively now than he was at the start of the year. And, hey, he's been a perfect fit on that fourth line. And that line at times in the last few games, I think you could argue has been the Flames' most effective line or consistent line or both with him centering a couple of heavier guys at A.J. Greer and uh, Walker Dewar. So I, I wouldn't want him to be on that fourth line long term. I mean, it's not a great cap hit to have in your fourth line, although I guess a lot better than Milan Lucic's $6 million cap hit for the last number of seasons. But I think it's an opportunity for Sharon Govich to continue to build himself up. He, again, he's been good defensively. Offensively, I still think there's a lot more for him to give. But last night he got his first point. And I think he's trending in the right direction as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I'm not even at the point where the cap hit is coming into question for me right now, Pat. It's four games into the season. As long as you're providing positive value to the team in whatever your role is, then I think you're in a good spot. And yes, do I think it's fair to have higher expectations of Yegor Sharangovich given his first couple years in the NHL and knowing that at one point, he scored 20 goals with the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that you want more out of him. But for now, in the meantime, while it figures itself out, and while I think this lineup at times, still four games into the season, tries to find the best version of itself, you found a way to be effective on a nightly basis. And that's really all I can ask for anybody, whether you're at a league minimum cap hit, you're at $3 million like Sharon Govich is, or anywhere in between. You're impacting the team in a positive way, night in, night out. And um, sometimes it's been more than just a positive way. Like last night in, in Buffalo, the team was, was, that line was more than effective. Yeah. They were uh, dominant at times. So, yeah, I, I think you're always going to compare salary and position in the lineup. I think that's, that's just fair. It's part of what we do as sports fans and as sports observers in the media. But, I mean, guys, even going back to the, the Lucic reference you made there, Derek, I think there were times where we didn't care what the cap hit was for Milan Lucic when he was going out playing effective hockey for the Calgary Flames. We just accepted it is what it is and took the good with the bad. And uh, I, I'm not saying it's the same situation with Yegor Sharangovich, but I'm just saying right now yeah. the positive impact for me is is all I need to see. I think you can worry about the cap hit and how it's – all worked out through the season long uh, a little bit at a later time. Yeah, I, I struggle this one with this one. Like, so let's just assume for sake of this conversation that they continue to be a really good line, which they have been. They have been a very effective line. Um, and and they really have affected what we were talking about for a lot of the offseason. And that is, hey. You know, this this team needs a different identity with their fourth line. And they've gotten that. They're they're a fast, up tempo, hard forechecking, physical fourth line that can add some offense. 
And so you're getting that. And so if that continues, I'd really struggle taking Sharon Govich off that line because he's he's been that line has clicked the most since he's been there. But I also hear what you're saying, Derek. Like if he he played his best game of of his very young Flames career against Buffalo and added his first point. We saw that shot that he unleashed in the shootout on Monday. I just for now I'm keeping him there. I'd like to see how other things play out with other players higher up the lineup. And then maybe he can get that boost and maybe he can get that that promotion. But for the immediate future, I'm not making any changes because that line has, you know, you could make the argument, Ryan Huska made it on Friday morning, that that, that could be their best line of their season, uh, best line of the season so far. So I'm not, I'm not breaking that up quite yet, but... I do think it's something that you can revisit down the road if if other lines need a pop or if that line takes a little bit of a step back. Yeah, and I would be surprised if Sharon Govich didn't get a bump up the lineup at some point in time in the not-so-distant future. I just think that he's got a skill set and he's at an age where he should only get better. And he's been really good at times in his first three plus seasons in the NHL. So I do think that, uh, you know, this is probably his floor and I'm not sure where his ceiling is yet uh, and wouldn't want to put a glass ceiling at him on him uh, at this stage of his career. He's only 25 years old, but as we've talked about uh, almost at nauseum, the flames don't have generational players. They're going to have to beat teams kind of the same way that the golden Knights beat teams on their way to the Stanley Cup last season. They're going to have to beat them with depth and by rolling four lines and three pairings and using two or maybe even three goaltenders, depending on how things play out between the pipes. But you take a look at last night's game against the Sabres, for example. The Sabres have a lot of talent, there's no doubt, but they do not have the depth the Flames do, especially how they were aligned last night. Uh, they put their three biggest eggs all into one basket. And if that line doesn't beat you with Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, and Alex Tuck, they're not going to beat you on most nights. And we saw the Flames had a huge advantage down their lineup, both at forward and on defense last night. And that's one that, why they won the hockey game. And they probably should have won it by more than one goal. So that fourth line right now is giving the Flames a matchup advantage on, I would say, every team they're playing. So you like that, but again, that's more of a short-term look for me. Uh, the long-term look would be the Flames getting healthy and Sharon Govich continuing the trend in the right direction and him playing a, a top-nine role and probably a role in the power play as well. He, he can help out on the penalty kill, I think, but I still think there's power play potential in the kid. And uh, the good news is he got his first point out of the way last night, and maybe that in a way gets the monkey off his back, and uh, he'll get that first goal out of the way sooner rather than later now. Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek Wills, uh, Logan Gordon, Pat Steinberg on this Friday. Well, and, and I think that the next topic is is somewhat related anyway when talking about different players, top six, bottom six, fourth line, second line, whatever. Four points now in four games from Adam Rizicke. He scores the game winner to make it 4-3, Thursday night in Buffalo and also got promoted in that game to power play one. He started that game on PP one. Uh, it was, they, they've had some different looks there. Coronado got taken off power play one on Monday and Manchapani got put there. And then Manchapani got taken off power play one on Thursday and in goes Rizicka. Got four points in four games. He scores a big goal to win the game against the Sabres. 
Are we finally starting to see it with Adam Rizitska? Well, I think we've always seen it with Adam Rizitska. It's never been about ability with him. It's been about consistency with him. So I have a hard time sitting here and saying that I think Adam Rizitska has turned the corner when the Flames have played four games this season. Sorry. I mean, you look at last season, he had 20 points in the first 25 games he played in. And we were having these same conversations. And then he fell off a cliff and had no points in the last 19 games that he played in. He's got all the physical tools. And when he puts his mind to it and his body to it, he can be a very effective power forward who produces points in this league. But he's just got to do that more consistently. You know, I even think back to that game against the Capitals on, what was that, Monday. He had, what, a goal and an assist in the first period, right? And then it kind of looked like he was satisfied in the second and third periods. Didn't look like the same player in the final 40 minutes that he did in the first 20. So Adam's got to drive himself to, to be at his best from start to finish, night after night after night. I think if he can find that consistency, he's going to be a big-time find for the Flames and a guy who can play in their top nine or maybe even their top six, And as we're seeing right now, on one of their two power play units. But it's up to Adam. If he can just develop that consistency, and it doesn't have to be for 82 games, but it's got to be for more than 25% of the games or 50% of the games. If he can find that, then the Flames are going to have – I wouldn't say uh, a unicorn because there are players like him in the league, but uh, I would say a unicorn on this roster because the Flames don't have a lot of guys with his mix of size and skill. He, he's got all the tools. You just got to put them together on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm not very far off of where Derek is. I'm not ready to anoint that he's arrived or is here to stay just yet because I think we have seen this at times from Adam Rusichka where he's looked like an everyday NHLer and has done a lot of good things. It's just never lasted long enough for any of the coaches that he's had to be fully satisfied that he's maintained an NHL spot. And I want him to, I think he's got the potential like Derek mentioned to be a a very nice add to this Calgary flames team. If he can do that, but history has kind of scorned us a bit with, with Adam Ruzicka. And I think we're going to need to see a larger sample size. And I'm not saying you can't have an off night here and there because everybody does. I think the best players in this league have off nights, but it cannot be to use Derek's term that fall off of a cliff. And we don't see you get back to that level for 20 games. That's just not acceptable at the pro level. And it's going to drain all the coaches trust out of you. And I think that that's, that's what Adam's got to build up now again, is that trust that he's going to be the same guy or pretty close to the same guy. Most nights out there. And for me, yeah, it's just not far off of what Derek said that, I want to believe in it. I really hope he does. I think he's a great kid and he's got all the tools to be super successful in this league. I'm just, I'm a bit wary on it because we've seen stretches like this from Adam before. And when they fall off, they've fallen off hard. Um, I I hope this is the time that we're talking about. That's the exception that leads to continued success for him. Um, I would say that I am hopeful because I thought he was very strong for most of training camp in the preseason. He's had a nice start to the regular season. And I just, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this is 
And I don't know if I would have said that at any point last year. Whereas now we saw kind of the flashes of good and we saw the bad last year. We're seeing those flashes of good again. And I fully understand where, where both of you guys are. They like, we've been fooled before. I fully understand that. But I guess I'm more optimistic than I ever have been that he is finding it or that he has found it. And what I mean by it is all of the things that go into being a full-time NHLer, not just the high level of skill, which we know he has, not just the size and strength, which we know he has, but everything that goes along with it, the conditioning, the, um, the off-ice commitment, the consistency, uh, all of those things remains to be seen, but I'm feeling more optimistic about it by, I think, a significant degree, guys, than, than I ever have with this guy. Okay, l- let me ask you this in response to that. Yeah. Are you feeling more optimistic? optimistic about where Adam Ruzhitska is at right now with four points in four games to start the season than you were when he, after being a healthy scratch to start last season, was not only inserted into the lineup, but onto the left side of the top line and had 20 points in the first 25 games. And assuming the answer to that question is yes, uh, the follow-up would be why. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, because I, I feel like he, just watching him, he's been more impactful on the lines that he's been on and hasn't been kind of being dragged along by a guy like Lindholm and Toffoli. Lindholm and Toffoli were the two, the, the best forward duo the Flames had last year, at least. Um, yeah, I would say that's the best forward duo they had last year. And you put Rizichka on yep. that line, and I think that they they kind of pulled him along for a good chunk of that really nice stretch. And then it fell off. Whereas what I'm seeing right now is a guy that at times is the best guy on his line and, and the guy who maybe is setting the tone for the line. And, and that gives me uh, a lot of optimism. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that, Pat. I think he has been the driver of that line at times. And that might be an indictment on the two guys he's playing with, especially a centerman who I think uh, has to be better moving forward for the flames to, to get to where they want to go. But you know, I'm uh, I'm hopeful too, like like you and Logan are, because again, he's got all the tools. Yep. It's just a matter of using them on a consistent basis, and if he does that, man, he's got uh, he's got a lot of potential to be one of those scoring power forwards that every team, if they don't have one, uh, are looking for, and if they do have one or more, are looking for more of. He's just he's got a really uh, interesting and unique skill set. Uh, so, hey, he's still a relatively young player. And again, it's never been about ability. It's always been about consistency. That goes back to his time in junior, maybe before then. That goes back to his time in the AHL and certainly applies to his time in the NHL. But sometimes it takes guys uh, time to develop consistency. So I'm hoping he's one of those guys. And uh, this is the guy we see more often than not moving yep. forward. Yep. Thank you, Wilsey. Have a uh, wonderful rest of your Friday. We'll see you in a little bit. Yeah, we'll see you soon. He is Derek Wills. He's Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg. As we wrap up the Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Book your winter detail package today for $349. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport. I do want to throw this, uh, put this uh, text in there just as we start to wrap up this hour logo. Was it a goal? And what that text means mm. is, was that Mackenzie Weger shot that almost fully eluded Devin Levi from center ice or beyond center ice? Was that a goal? Should it have been a 5-3 final in Buffalo? Uh, I will say it was a goal, but I think the call on the ice was correct. That's where I am, too. Like, 
Common, I think everything, you see, yeah, everything that you, you think of as to how a puck moves on ice and where it would be underneath Devin Levi would indicate to you that it, it fully crossed the goal line. They're just in a net scenario. There was no way with his body in the way to, to fully prove it. Like so, it wasn't, it wasn't the physics weren't obvious enough to be able to call that a goal. Like, I think common sense suggests to him, like, yeah, I'm like 75, 80% that thing was fully in, but every angle that they had, it didn't show that there was white ice between the red line and the puck. And so you can't really call it a goal because you need conclusive evidence. Now, I will say, I remember vividly, I think this would have been in sometime in 2012. I think it was the second season. So after Vancouver lost in the Stanley Cup final in game seven to Boston, the follow up year when they also won the president's trophy, uh, I seem to remember it was sometime in 2012. Flames played a shootout in Vancouver and Roberto Luongo made a stop in the shootout. The puck was very much in his pads clearly in his pads and he went like he slid into the three net. feet yeah. into the net. You're like, well, there's no conclusive evidence that the puck went in the net, but there's conclusive he's, evidence. It's in Luongo's pads and he's clearly every part of his pad is in the net. So this has to be a goal. And they, they looked at it for a long time, but eventually on that one, common sense was obvious. And it won out. Um, the, the one in Buffalo was a little more ambiguous. I thought, yeah, I think we could have a, a more heated conversation about it if they hadn't won, but I, I I I tend to agree that I think that that was probably the only call they could have made. There just wasn't that conclusive yep. angle to, to back it up. He's Logan Gordon on Twitter at Fan960Logan. Our producers this hour, Taylor and Cam. I'm Pat. That'll wrap up this hour. And this has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com.